Welcome to Zach and Steve Have a Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Steve. And welcome to another Friday edition of our podcast. Friday edition. Episode number 34, I think. It is. The big 3-4. I don't know why it's the big 3-4. <laughs> anyway. All of our numbers are big. Yeah. Every episode we get to do is just another yeah. enjoyable day. <laughs> I honestly. And also, if you, if you haven't had the opportunity, go back our first five episodes... I remastered and re-uploaded. Yes, they are. They are back. To, they have. They're not mono or whatever. Well, they were in stereo. Okay. And how we originally. We're not going to get into the minutia of the details of this, but how we originally did the podcast was <laughs> through the most basic means possible because we had no idea what we were doing. We yeah. still don't really know what we're doing. Yeah, we're but a little bit more. We're learning. Oh yeah, we're learning along the way. But when we recorded the, those first five, yeah. uh, we didn't. I really didn't know what I was doing. And so I went, and the thing that drove people crazy was the fact that I came through the left speaker. Yes. And Zach would come in through the right speaker. Yes. And so we fixed that. Yeah. And now it's, you get one clear audio experience and also now includes our uh, intro music. Oh. And exit music. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just the uh, just the best for our listeners. <laughs> but honestly, it's it's our greatest pleasure to do this, be with you every week. And uh, so last Friday, yes, after Friday. we got, was that last Friday? Yeah, I think so. Last Friday after the podcast, Zach and I had the opportunity. Uh, it's not really an opportunity. <laughs> it sounds like this is some grand <laughs> thing. Last You're Friday, like, hey, I, I got to grab something at the store. Do you want to come with yeah, me? Yeah, I was like, I want to go to North Face. And Zach always knows where sales are. Yes. Like, this guy is the bloodhound of the <laughs> sales world. <laughs> I said, I want to go to North Face. He's like, they have 60% off their shoes. I'm like, do you work for them? <laughs> Zach only owns North Face stuff. That's not true. That is 100% true. That's not true. Zach has, it's, uh, I think he's owned by North Face. That's not true. He is. He is. He, even his hair color is black and white, which is their <laughs> logo color. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so right now, Zach is the uh, human... <laughs> Human North Face machine. Like, there that's what go. he is. He is. So, anyway, uh, so I said, Yeah, I want to get a North Face. I wanted to. So, last week, my very good friend, um, uh, Greg O'Boyle, uh, was coming over. He and his wife were coming over, and they were the missionaries that we served with in Canada. They, they planted a church yeah. called Journey Church in Canada, and uh, he was coming over for his birthday. We're going to celebrate with he and his wife, Anne. We love them dearly, like awesome people. And the thing I know about Greg is he loves, like, stocking caps. Ah, okay. He likes to keep his head well, warm. living in Canada. Well, after living, yes. I mean, he always, like, it was midsummer, I feel like. And no, See, we went up in winter a lot, too. We would go up for their Christmas party, okay, which was one of our favorite experiences, Um but he, uh, Greg was like, always had stocking caps. I'm known for ball caps. He, I think Greg's more known for stocking caps. So anyway, I'm like, I want to go to North Face and get him a good one. There you go. And Zach is, was just thrilled <laughs> at the opportunity because he's like, they have this massive sale going on right now. Did you know about this? You're, you're making it sound, you're making me uh, uncomfortable over here. Why is it making you uncomfortable? Because you love North Face, man. It's okay if you love North Face. That's your brand. I don't have a brand. Yeah, you don't. But you are right with the, the <laughs> you sales. You know sales. I do know sales. And you do love North Face. I, I like I like shopping at the outlet mall. Okay, okay. Yes, because I, I, I'll hover <clears throat> between stores. What's your because favorite store work, at the outlets? For work, I'm in my car all day long. Yeah. And I, I, if I have a chance to take a break, I'm in areas. Like, uh, what I have to do is I have to go to different uh, stores, restaurants, yeah. stuff like that. And they're usually where I have to go is around... You know, build up areas that have shopping. Yeah, stuff. shopping areas and stuff. So I get my break, and and I'll go and just like walk around just to get out of my car because I'm in yes. my car all day long. So I like to go to outlet malls because you can walk between stores and just stretch exactly. my legs. And so yes, uh, I always check out. So you always where know where the sales are. Yes, I always know where the sales are. Would you make, make it seem like I don't know? Well, I don't know. You're the sale bloodhound. The, yeah, I guess. Like you, you are a, a, the the dream of a, a of a thrifty shopgoer. There you yeah, go. That, that's not a bad thing. That's, Zach. that's not a bad thing. It's actually a really good thing. Even like even Sarah said, it's a really good thing. You know where all the sales are at because I'm not one. It to, is a bit as embarrassing to be known as that guy though. Like, why? I, I that's not like the only thing you're known for, but one of your many good attributes. 
attributes is the fact that you know where good sales are. <laughs> that's Zach. He knows where to go. You do. And that's not bad. But like, anyway, back to the story. There's going to be plenty of moms that are listening to this. They're going to be like, oh, I got to talk to Zach. <laughs> yeah. Where, so maybe I, I need shoes for my kids. Very good. That's true. So anyway, Zach's like, they have a good sale going on right now at North Face. He's like, they got awesome shoes. And I'm like, I didn't even know North Face had shoes. They have really good shoes. They do. And we found that out when I went there. I found we get there and there's a sale. And Zach's like, I bet you we can get a pair of shoes for 30 bucks. <laughs> nice and shoes. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm looking around. There's nothing that even with 60% off was going to be $30 until Zach, go ahead. Like the blood, the bloodhound. Like over here. He sniffs it out <laughs> and he finds it. He's like, look at these shoes. And they were awesome. They're, they're like, what were they? Black and like fluorescent yellow. yellow yes. I love I would, these shoes. I would call it like chartreuse. Yeah. Chartreuse. <laughs> You were embarrassed by the fact that I said you know sales, but that you're going to throw out chartreuse. I'm not at all embarrassed by chartreuse because chartreuse is a fishing color. Oh, it, is it really? Yes, it's it's a oh. fishing like lure color. It's very common to have chartreuse as a color. Are you trying? The, I I am trying, trying to make to myself supplant. a little bit more manly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to supplant. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. Like I'm not the sales guy. I'm the, I'm the fishing guy. Uh, chartreuse is a, a fishing guy. I, I use it for my lures. It is. Uh, I I make sinkers and floaters. Not sinkers. What sinkers are, are just usually oh, just metal. What, what are the floaters called? Flo- I'm talking about fly fishing. Fly fishing, the ones that land on the on the, on the top like, of the water, like the fly itself. Well, flies have two. There's two different types of flies. There's the ones that sink, and there's they're the ones that lay on lay right. on top of the water. I don't know what the technical term would be. I don't know either. I just call them flies. Yeah, well, that's the general floating fly term. Floating. There's fly, a name for fly. it. There's a name for it. Anyway, so Zach, we find these shoes, and Zach, they're like, very bright. They were very bright. <laughs> I mean, you 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 see these shoes, and you're like. Holy cow, <laughs> high visibility, yes. right? And Zach shows them to me. I'm like, oh, those are awesome. I got to get these, especially for 30 bucks. They were originally, like, what, $120? Something like that, yeah. And then they were on sale for 80 and then 60% off. So we ended up getting them for, I got them for 30. I was going to get them for $30. I'm like, Zach, you've got to get them too. <laughs> like, You're like, I don't, I don't know. I, yeah, I know. I don't know if I want the same shoe as yeah, you. Like, but I, I don't know. It's one thing if they're the same shoe and they're like black or white or like a normal color shoe. But they were bright yellow. These like, are very noticeable. And Zach and I do a lot of standing <laughs> to right yes, next to, get, to each other. Yes. And so if we have these shoes on at the same time, we're going to get noticed. But I'm like, Zach, it, nothing would, it would never bother me if you bought the same shoes that I had. So that was the, that was the hook because I, I was on the fence. I didn't know if I, I should do this yeah, or not. And I'm like, I, I would do it in a heartbeat. I would buy if, – if I saw you had a cool <laughs> pair of shoes, I'd be like, I'm buying those. I don't care if we have the same shoes, whatever. And so, Zach, we bought the exact same <laughs> shoes, and we've been wearing these. And they, they, it's, yeah, like Zach said, it's so obvious <laughs> that we have the same shoes. It's not even like question, like, are those the same? It's like, oh, those are 100% the same. <laughs> yes. But really they're cool. awesome. And it was such a good deal. So, yeah, if you're looking for shoes, yeah, go they're, to North Face. They're, they're comfy. most comfortable shoes I've ever owned. Yeah. I've been an Allbirds guy for over a year now. Yeah. These, these, these kick Allbirds right out of the tree. <laughs> That's what I'm telling you. Right out of the nest is what I would say. That's funny. Anyway, anything else going on in your life, Zach? I've been doing a lot of leaf raking. Wow. Tell me about leaf raking. (laughs) You're burning the leaves? Well, that's the thing. What do you do with the leaves once you rake them? If you live in the borough, you you just blow them on the road. We put them on the road, and then the snuffleupagus comes (laughs) along, and he sucks them up. It's like a Sesame Street lesson when he comes down. Yeah, it's hey, like Ava, this, come on, here comes the snuffle up. Yeah, that's what we call it. We call it the snuffle up against. It comes down the road with the big hose and it sucks up all the leaves. The kids love it. Like that's so I cool. would love it. Yeah, you would love it, but you live out in the middle of nowhere in out West in Middlesex. But I have a the house that random people show up to all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. But anyway, um we have big trees in our yard. Yes. Like big oak trees. And, yes. and when you have trees that are dropping leaves, oaks mm-hmm. are the worst. Yes, they are. Maples, they'll drop them early and they'll drop them pretty much like the, like in a couple of days they're down. Yes. But oaks take all winter to drop their stinking yes, leaves. Yes, they do. But for the some mighty oak. Yes. But for some reason this year has been different. These oak trees have they waited a while and then they dropped them all like within the in the last week or yep. so. So I've been like waiting to do this because I if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it once in a in a, in a big go here, and I'm not gonna yeah. just keep doing it night after night after night. 
So I've waited. Mm-hmm. I think my neighbor's been mad because <laughs> you waited so long to do your leaves. <laughs> so like their yards, they like keep like riding their mower, and that's really, really nice. And then there's our yard. It's like green grass, green grass, brown <laughs> from leaves. <laughs> and like it's like a, it's it, the pile of leaves from just falling is is covering the whole yard in a way that it's it's uh I've never seen it like this before. This thick. Of oak leaves and oak leaves are like, like you said, the majestic. They, they the are. They're, oak, a, they're, they're a hardy leaf. They're a hardy leaf. The, the the maple leaf you can crinkle up a little bit. Not this oak leaf. It's no, like oak leaves. They're made of steel. <laughs> yes. So I've got a whole yard full of them. So last night we started the process. Yeah. And uh, it's been a process. I got blisters all over my fingers. So the question you know is, you can wear gloves, right? <laughs> gloves. Uh, here he goes. Once again, Zach's got to step over this whole, I'm the guy that finds sales on the best clothes at the outlets. Like uh, I do do that. I got blisters on my hands. I do. It's in, like a big old hand. I'm blister. so strong. It's nothing to do with strength. It's to do with the weakness of my skin. <laughs> but, anyway. <laughs> but anyway. So the question is, what do I do with this enormous amount of oak leaves? Yes. Do I burn them? Yeah. Or do we take them like we have woods behind our house? What do your other neighbors do? I don't know. It's like they don't have the same amount of leaves we have. They have just a couple of trees. We've got these big old massive trees in our yard. You, you have that massive one in your front yard. There's three of them. Oh, is it really? Yeah. I don't so, pay attention that Yeah, well, that's all right. You don't live there. Um, but anyway, so what do you do with them? So we thought, let's try to burn them. But it, we tried to burn them, and it just wasn't wasn't going well. Really? We, we, we took a pile back there, and, and they were a little bit wet. Uh, and so it was just smoking. And I'm smoke, like, I, I don't want to do that. It smells so, bad anyway. Yeah, so the, the the woods behind us, they're not our property, which is why we're like, should we take them over there? But the guy has told us and other, like the people live around there, um, he owns like a bunch of land back there. He lives mm-hmm. down the road a ways. He says, you can put your waste back there behind your house. It doesn't really matter. But I always okay. feel bad because we have a lot of leaves. Yeah. So we've just been dragging them. We, we use the tarp method. Which is I found the best method. This is an enthralling conversation. What are we talking about? Like I'm waiting for the punchline, and I feel like it's not coming. There's no punchline. I'm just oh my gosh, explaining to you what happens with the leaves. Yes, you asked me. Thank you. So the tarp method of leaf extraction. <laughs> you are you serious right big now? Big old tarp. You put the leaves on the tarp and you drag it, and that's the best way. I have found to move a large amount. Well, of thanks, Dad. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> that was your story. I thought you had like some like big like revelation with these leaves. I never said I had a story. We made a big pile, a huge pile, and the kids were jumping in it. Oh, that's cool. That's that's about as exciting as that's <laughs> really good, man. I don't have a snuffleupagus that comes around my neighborhood. Well, I can't help that like Snuffy lives in our neighborhood, yeah, not does. in your neighborhood. Like he comes by. It's like Santa, but it's once a week. Is that is that how often he comes? I think it's once a week or once every other week. I can't remember. But it is cool. Yeah. You just blow them onto the road. But the one thing I don't like about it is that people like blow them way out into the road. And you're supposed to make a nice pile right next to the curb. Not not six feet out into the road. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're driving through the leaves. Well, yeah. Back. You're driving through the leaves and it's just blowing it right back. You know what drives me insane, Zach? Lots of things. Lots. Yes. But you know, really, like, we're on the topic of blowing stuff out <laughs> onto the road. Is people when they cut their grass, they blow their their trimmings just like way out into the road. Yeah. Especially when I'm driving past and I just washed my car. Ah. Annoying. What is that? Annoying. It is. It's really motorcyclists don't like that either. Really crazy. No, it's bad for motorcyclists because they can skid on it. Anyway, anyway, let's get on to our topic. For what today. are we talking Zach, about, Zach? Today, we found well, Zach and I were doing a little digging, and we we found that we like looking at articles, especially faith based articles, and like just talking about them. Discussion. Last, last week we talked about it was the discovery of oh, it was new data on the uh, the fall of Jerusalem, something or like Judah. That. Yeah, the fall of Judah. Uh, when that kingdom actually fell, because it's often, you know, debated w- when it actually fell. But like what we come to find out is that the Bible is actually very, once again, biblical accur- accuracy, which yeah. we love to see. Like there's, it's always good to have extra biblical sources and then that we got, line up with the word of God. Right. And then we got talking about creation somehow. I don't know how it came from that, but well, <laughs> yeah, talked about science. Well, we, we were talking about just science and then science always leads to the beginning. Yeah. Right, that's it. Just goes hand in hand. But today we're going to talk about. We were on relevantmagazine.com, 
And uh, I, I don't always agree with everything that Relevant puts out into the world, but we found an interesting article Ooh! that I was like, this is fascinating stuff. Let's right hear here. it. It's the Bible's biggest unsolved mysteries. <laughs> Thinking of unsolved mysteries. Yeah. That Unsol- music always scared me. Oh, back in the day, whenever, yeah. uh, when, we, when we were little, when we were young pups and unsolved mysteries would come on. I would. I was scared to death of that show and it, the music. The music. That guy. What was that uh, guy's name? Robert Stack. Yes, he was a weird looking dude. And like he was a scary, very intense. Yes, and so when he would start talking, the music came on. I would like start hyperventilating. Yeah, I couldn't watch <laughs> I couldn't it. Sleep. If it came on at night, I wasn't sleeping. <laughs> yeah. Like even if the music what, came on for three seconds, what I'm was like, it? What was oh. it about that? I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, some of those things weren't that scary. Then I start. I start. Yeah, but the music was just haunting. It was eerie. Haunting. And yes. then I started doing the music what I thought it was, and I started doing the Doctor Who theme song. <laughs> and it's not the same thing. So anyway. The, so unsolved b- There's always mysteries. big questions yes. as to, okay, all these things happen throughout the Bible. Okay. What, what happens to those objects? Like, what happened to the Ark of the Covenant? Ooh, what that happened that? to the Holy Grail? Holy Grail. Okay. Well, yeah, the Holy Grail, that's kind of a, that's not really a thing. Well, I mean. It is and it isn't. That's more of a, I, I feel like the Ark of the Covenant is clearly a... Right. But what happened to Noah's Ark? That's true. Where's Noah's Ark? So many other things. So let's take a look at this, Zach. So this article is saying the Bible... The Bible. The Bible. The Biblical as well. I was trying to say, but that's not <laughs> even Bible. what it says. The Bible is a book of answers, as many of us have been taught. And for millennia, it's given us peace and comfort about everything. Because, I mean, that's the whole point of the Bible. Yeah. It's not about the things within it. It's about the story behind it all. It's the this God loving his people so much that he gives his son. And through his son, we are saved. And we have a greater relationship with God. Uh, so, but there's always the question of, well, where's all that stuff? The stuff. Where's the stuff, Zach? So the qu- first question is, where is the Ark of the Covenant? Now, Zach, this, tell the people, what is the Ark of the Covenant? Without well, using a Raiders of the Lost Ark reference. <laughs> I was just going to go to I know. I wish. I wish that was the, the reason I wanted to get into archaeology from the beginning was because of this movie. Yes. So the Ark of the Covenant was a, it's kind of like a box. It's overlaid with gold, right? Mm-hmm. And it's got a lid. Um, it would have been, a, like we said in a, very a previous po- podcast, extremely heavy. Right. Extremely heavy. But for the ancient Israelites, this was the place where God dwelt among them. Yes. This was placed in their tabernacle at the time, which was the traveling tent they had around, kind of like a hmm. kind of like a church building in a sense, but it not. It was like yeah. a tent where God dwelt and they did the sacrifices and, and that type of stuff. Yeah. And so inside the tabernacle, there was the big room called the Holy Place. And then inside that was the Holiest the most place. holy place, the Holy of Holies. The holy and of in holies. there was where the Ark of the Covenant was. Yes. And that's, and that's where, and then only the high priest yes, can go in and, and meet with God there. Now, obviously, the Ark of the Covenant was not God, but it was the physical representation right. of God because inside contained the Ten Commandments. Right. In, yes. I was just going to say that inside the box were the Ten Commandments. And there was other things in there. Um, according to the book of Hebrews, there was the jar of manna. They kept the jar of manna, and supposedly well, that was inside the Ark of the Covenant, as well as Aaron's staff that budded yes. was also inside the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. We actually talked about that in junior high. I know. It's fascinating. The, the, the Aaron's staff, how, yes. how he, he was chosen, or God proved that the Levites were the people that were going to be like the priests. Yes. So he had... Uh, like a leader from each tribe, bring their walking stick up to him, mm-hmm. put it before the ark, and Aaron's budded. Like, it started growing leaves, and then it grew flowers, Amazing. blossomed, and almonds. Yes. So that was a cool thing, and they kept that with the Ark of the Covenant. So so, so yeah. cool. So, so cool. But, but where is it? What happened what to happened it? What happened to it? So let's read this. The Raiders of the Lost Ark MacGuffin is an actual real mystery. Do-do! The Israelites built the ark per God's own specifications as a place to store their holiest objects, as Zach was talking about. After Solomon built the temple for God, the ark was placed within it for safekeeping. But when the Babylonians took mm. over, when they ransacked, what we were talking about last week, yes. kind of all lines up with that. The Babylonians right come in. 600 BC. Yeah, we're talking about, yeah, 587 BC. It's been missing ever since. Hmm. So the Babylonians take it. We don't know what they did with it. 
We have no idea. Theories as to where it ended up are abound. Abounded. Abounded. One prominent one is that the Ark was safely smuggled out of Jerusalem and into Egypt by Solomon and Queen Sheba. Mm-hmm. And like, it's just kept in secret. From there, it would have moved from Ethiopia. Yeah, that's the big one. It's in where, Ethiopia. Where, according to legend, it remains to this very day. And there's this little church building <laughs> I've, I've wa- in Ethiopia. I've watched like Unsolved, not Unsolved Mysteries, but like there's these mystery shows that yeah. are on History Channel about where's the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, and they and, show this like little white building. <laughs> yes. With these, with f- like, um, you know, uh, the metal fence, yes. iron rot fence or whatever you want to call it, and armed guards yeah. everywhere. These guys with these big, like, AK-47s, <laughs> well, and they're guarding. They're guarding around it, but there's only one person that's allowed inside it. The high priest. Yeah, he, he goes inside there, and he comes out and says, oh, yeah, it's in there, but yeah. I can't show you I, it's I in I can't here. show you. Like, okay, really? Yeah, like, really? That- and he turn- it turns out that what he has in there... Is the prop from Raiders of the Lost? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We don't know. Yeah, I, that'd be really cool to like one day find out if that's really if it's really there. Uh, I, I would love to know, just just for the biblical history aspect of yeah. it, just to like gaze upon its you know wonder. Uh, obviously, you can't touch it or do anything with it, which leads to the question like, I mean, obviously you could carry it with the, the uh, it, it, whatever. If it's really there, awesome. Is that'd it there? Cool. Who knows? Yeah, a monastery and. Uh, Oxum claims that it actually has the Ark today, but one slight hiccup, no one is allowed to see. Oh, that's what that's <laughs> oh, the one okay, in yeah, Ethiopia. Yeah. Yeah. One monk is selected to spend his life in yes. the Ark's compound. Like, that's his life. That's, that's what he does. That's fascinating. Praying over it until he dies and someone else picks up where he left off. So is the Ark actually there? The only person that knows for sure is sitting there now. And won't come out. So the guy that's in there is not allowed to come out. Yeah. So he can't even come out and say, it's in here. Right. He's like waving from a window, <laughs> pointing. He's pointing in his here. Yeah. No, but the, you can't. So really fascinating. So that's the only theory. Yeah. What do you think, Zach? Do you have any? Like, There's other theories. I've I know. That's the theories. one that they point yeah, out that's in one this article. Well, you've made fun of the show that I watch. It's where the swamp donkey comes from. The swamp donkey of Oak Island. Well, there's all kinds of theories, but one of them... It's in America? It's in America. Oh, well, goodness. It's not America. Is this like the Mormon theory? Yeah, this is Canada. This is on the... America <laughs> Junior? America's top hat? Well, the, sh- the show, there's another buddy that we have that I... Mutual friend, and we watch this show religiously on Tuesday nights starting... Our mutual friend? Yes. Starting yes, in a couple of weeks, it does, and it yes. runs through May. It's called The Curse of Oak Island. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the theories is that the treasure that's buried on this island was a Templar treasure, and the Templars somehow got their hands on it back in the you know, oh. 12, 1200s, 1300s, and they smuggled it out of Europe, and this is a Templar treasure, and it is actually buried <laughs> in Nova Scotia. <laughs> like that, 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 it's I buried say, in Nova Scotia. I say this to just say there's a tons, tons of theories out there what yeah, exactly this happened is not, to the Ark of the Covenant. I, I, I would say no. That's probably not where it's at. I say there's a higher likelihood that Indiana Jones did find it, and it's now in a museum in a box in the back somewhere. Yeah, belongs in a museum. Um, but that is a good mystery. It is. Is that the only mystery on the list? No. So many mysteries, like I already said, Zach. What's another mystery? Well, the other mystery is when was Jesus actually born? In what year uh, uh, was yes. Jesus actually born? Because I mean, our calendar. The, revolves the, around is that the Gregorian calendar. The Gregorian calendar revolves around the birth of Christ. All right, I mean it's that. I mean which zero is, BC. Which, yes, is well. I mean that so is when the cal- that is when the calendar BC started. mean before Christ, right? Uh, and then AD standing for Anno Domine, which is the year of, the year of our Lord. Yes, um, which it's not after death because that wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> no. So it can't be before Christ and then after death. That means like. There's just years of unaccounted, <laughs> like right. 33 years of unaccounted history. Right. Uh, that doesn't make sense. So Anno Domine, which I don't think I'm pronouncing correctly, but yeah. for, for, the, for the use of this podcast, it's fine. Um, but in a perfect world, let's look at this one. Hold on. Oh, I just lost the uh, article. So you, in a perfect world, Jesus' birth would be straightforward as zero, zero. BC, or zero, just right, right in between. 
But alas, the world's not perfect. That's what the article says, which is why, I mean, obviously that's why he was born in the first place, because it's not a perfect place. The Bible has plenty of clues as to when Jesus' real birth year was. And let's see. What, what, I, I mean, I, I largely learned in, in seminary that he was born somewhere between 6 and 4 Yes. What we would call B.C. Yes, that's what I learned as well. Yes. So the Bible says it took place during the Roman census mandated by Herod. History tells us that that census in Judea took place around 6 A.D. Ooh. Okay. Unfortunately, Herod had died around 10 years earlier, making it difficult to pinpoint the exact year. Okay. Most scholars believe sometime between 4 and 7 A.D. is the most likely range. So now they're saying it's not B.C., he was really? actually born after. Okay. Uh, oh, my goodness. This makes things so much more complicated. <laughs> Which also puts the birth of Jesus around three years before both the appearance of Halley's Comet and the convergence of Saturn and Jupiter. I don't know what that means. Like when they well, when they crossed over one another yes. and, and so planetary that, alignment. So that's when they're saying the star that led oh, people to okay. the Led people right. to Jesus. Okay, and, that and they're makes trying sense. to line it up with gotcha. what we know about planet, like a celestial. How God, how God made everything come together. Yes, either of these celestial marvels could have been the star that alerted the wise men to the presence of Jesus. Which I mean, God could have used whatever they say it's the star, but you know. So, so Stephen, did the wise men come the night that Jesus was born? No, I think Jesus is like two or three <laughs> yes. years old by the time they actually came. No, that's the thing. Yeah, that, yeah, baby Jesus. In the manger, and the wise men yeah, never not, took place. Yeah, like they did see him, but he was a young boy in hiding. Yes, um, during that time. So yeah, I mean, I, it's funny because I like we said, what was it last week when we were just talking about science in general and how things are always changing? Once again, yeah, things are changing. Yeah, because because uh, like you said, when, whenever I was in school studying this, it was four BC to six BC. Yeah, is when six they to believed. four. Yeah, but not AD. No, not AD. But now they're saying it's potentially after. Okay, after the, it. But the point is, like, it doesn't matter when he was born. The fact is, that he was born. Just like creation in and of itself, it's not how we were created. It's the fact that we were created, right? And the reason behind it. So exactly, cool stuff. And we know he lived thirty years. He began his ministry. His ministry lasted three years, and then yep. he was crucified. Yes. So. I guess the big thing would be then when does like the early church start, you Ooh, know, like yeah. how, because after his crucifixion, you know, he, he was obviously raised from the dead, then 40 days ascended. And then the, you know, the, the day of Pentecost, yes, day of Pentecost happened and, and then the early church began. Yes. So when is that? And then when were the letters written? Well, when was the gospel around written? 40, right. 40 so, AD. Right. So that's. Exactly. So and just I think grew it, by leaps and bounds. Yeah. Mostly because of um, early Christian nationalism too, like which happened in those days, where like not not like in the sense that we think about it in the U.S., but like how it was, like where emperors and stuff would be like, "This is the god that that you know gave me the vision," and so it was like now everybody has to be a Christian. So Christendom. Oh, you mean, you mean like later on, like the... Not super... I mean, yeah, I guess it is hundreds of years after that. But like yeah. the popularity of Christianity went from like like these small splinter groups of people doing and hiding to becoming the right. and then religion like, that it is. Like of the of the Roman Empire yes. became Christian yes. under what, Constantine or something? I believe it was Constantine. Something like that. <laughs> Fascinating stuff. Yes, early church history. Early church history. We both got that book on early church haven't history. Haven't read it. I haven't finished it. <laughs> no, nope. never finished it. All right, Zach. What? You, what is the Holy Grail, Zach? The Holy Grail, according to what is say that it one? like Sean Connery. The, the, the Last Crusade. Say it like Sean Connery. I can't speak like Sean. I don't, I don't the do the accents well. Of Christ. <laughs> say it again. Come on, I want to hear it again. The cup of Christ. <laughs> yes. It supposedly, well, not supposedly, at the Last Supper, yes, Jesus, you know, he he was describing what we now call communion, right? And he was telling his followers to basically, you know, take this bread. This is a symbol of my body broken to you. Yeah. Take this cup, a symbol of my blood that's about to be shed for you. Yeah, and we we use that as communion now. But yeah. that cup that was used at the Last Supper. Is known as the, the cup Holy, of Christ, yeah, right? the cup of Christ. But like, it was just a cup. 
That's yeah. the thing. That's like even in the movie, they make it out to be like what more of it, it morphed into within like Catholicism, which yeah. was like this holy of holies. I think Jesus, if we he, like, she's like, it was just a cup, man. Yeah, it was just a cup at the table. I was using yeah, it. You're missing the point. Yeah, you're missing a big point here. Like yeah. it's not because I touched it; it became special. It's what it represented. Yeah, a and new then, covenant. And that's the thing. Like this whole idea of the Holy Grail, I think, comes stems from the the early Orthodox and, and Catholic idea that Jesus uh, used uh, some form of transubstantiation, which is oh, a, fancy, that's a big word. Yeah, it's a fancy word for meaning that the, the, the wine became literal blood and the bread became literal flesh. Like they were literally eating and drinking of him, which is so strange and <laughs> not what at all what he was saying. Yeah. He's saying it's this is this represents. Yeah. This represent I mean it's very simple and straightforward. This is the representation of of what is going to happen. Yeah. Remember me when you eat and drink these two very and why why was it bread and wine? Because it was two, the two most basic food elements and drink yeah. one of the, the most basic food elements and drink elements. Something that could be celebrated whenever they sat down for a meal collectively. Let's remember Jesus with the bread bread and with the wine. Yeah, right. It wasn't that he used bread and wine. He was using bread and wine because it was something that was almost always going to be around. Right. Um, That's what was at the table. It was at at the table. (laughs) I mean, like, do they look like, okay, uh, I mean, wine can be, like, it could look like the representation of blood, but it was nothing more than a representation of of what that was. Well, he, he w- Jesus was a teacher, right? And so he's sitting there, and he wants to explain what's about to happen. He's got these things in front of him, these elements. Yeah. And he's like, okay, see this here? See how this, this wine is red? This is, this is a symbol of the blood that I'm about to shed for you. And yep. see this... See this bread here that's kind of fleshy colored, you know, like this is an example yeah. of of the body that is that I am going to give to you, the life I lived, yeah. the sacrifice I'm about to make, right? And and uh, that's basically that, what it that is. That was it. So it's not, <laughs> it's not more like you got a Brussels that. sprout. <laughs> but it's fascinating because now we have an article here that's saying, where is the Holy Grail? Well, like this is probably one of those things where we don't need to find. Or it's, there's did nothing. they keep it? Like, did there, something that like? No, it's not like, like Peter it, took it from the yeah, table. Peter's like, like, oh, get the cup, get the cup. <laughs> yeah, like, no, like, I don't think that's yeah. what happened. But it says this: the Holy Grail, the cup of Jesus drank from. It says here, uh, this is a miss, a, a typo, because it says the Lost Supper. Ah, it's the Last Supper. That sounds like a. The Lost Supper. <laughs> it sounds like a. Yeah, I put Michael it down Cr- in my Grail diary. Michael Crichton novel. Yeah, the Lost Supper. <laughs> Starring Sean Connery, apparently. <laughs> That's a terrible Sean Connery, by the way. Uh, has always been a subject of fascination for the church. I don't know what church, because like I said, this has never been a thing that I question. Like it was a MacGuffin. Catholic Church, Church Universal. Well, that's the know. funny thing. Like, you know, in you, you see in The Last Crusade, which is like the only place where I, I mean, obviously there's the... There's the Monty Python and the Holy <laughs> Grail movie. But the whole point is, like, they always make this, like, it's like this bejeweled cup. It's and it's not. like, truly, this is the cup of a carpenter. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> it's just a cup, man. Yeah. Like, it was just a cup. It's easy to see why the Ark of the Covenant might be, uh, have, have been preserved for millennia, but it's less clear why anyone in Jerusalem would have thought to hold on to this cup yes. for safekeeping. Still, there's sources of dozens of legends. If you're familiar with Indiana Jones, which yeah. we were just talking about, you know that the legend of the Knights Templar who took the grail from, to the Holy Land, which, no. <laughs> no. no. Nobody was, like, hanging out outside of this and be like, okay, we got to get that cup, whatever it takes. <laughs> Well, the nice Templars like twelve hundred years after this. I, I know Zach. So the, I know a couple had to have been. This is ridiculous. In safe storage for. There's currently years. one in Valencia, Spain, that has been legitimized by its use by two different popes. Oh, so there you go. That might be it. But a new challenger approaches in 2014. <laughs> two historians identified a cup in Lyon, Spain, as the true Grail. It's of the right age. Spent several centuries in the Basilica of San. Isidoro, and appears to match our oldest written descriptions of what the grail would have looked like. Even once again, there is no grail. It was a cup. <laughs> like, so why is this even a... Th- I'm done with this. You don't I'm, like that one? I'm pitching it. You're, I'm uh, pitching it. I mean, yeah. we, we'll leave it in, but stop. Yeah. Stop. Like, can we stop making things... Uh, I, I but like, the holy grail has become... 
it's not even like the cup anymore. It's just yeah. like that thing that you're searching for. It's, yeah. it's like the, I don't it know. It takes away, what it's is a that distraction a, from. Is that like a metaphor or something? Yeah, or exactly. Whatever that. Yeah, that's like what like, it is. And like this, the thing that you need to make yourself yeah, feel complete, whole. The holy grail, the, the holy thing that's grail. going to save you. And that's the thing. It's like, it, like Jesus does not want us getting focused <laughs> no. on something that he used. I, probably like in the. I, mean, tr- like, I, wonder, I think oh. of idol worship. Like, yeah. don't serve the, the, the thing made of wood, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> you keep Look making, at this cup. And Jesus yeah. is like, Hey, I'm over here. <laughs> yeah, look at me. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm the one that's gonna help you. Right. But yeah. It's it's th- this is the silly parts of it. Like Ark of the Covenant. Yes, I think that's absolutely fascinating because of what it represented, but not something as an object of worship, just because of like how it traveled and all that kind of stuff. It has such a massive history. Right, and that's where God dwelled with His people. With His people. Right. So and I think there's so much more historical importance. Yes. The cup Jesus used. Like I mean, it'd be cool. It'd be cool, but like you could make the argument that any cup that he used would be special. Exactly. Then. Yeah, it's like, and Jesus would be like, I wonder if in the chosen they're going to show him like just like putting the cup down, like eh, whatever, <laughs> like done, because <laughs> it's it's it shouldn't be viewed as anything holier than anything else because of it was just a cup. Yeah. Jesus was the one that was doing the action. Right. So anyway, okay, where's Noah's Ark, Zach? The mountains of Ararat. Yeah. You think it's just hanging up there? <laughs> I think it's a Kennywood. Oh, yeah. I've seen it there. I, you saw it? I did. I've been on that. I've it been goes, inside it. <laughs> yes. That was terrifying. Yeah, I, I never knew like those animals were so scary. Yeah, terrifying. Uh, it's really small. Yeah. It's a lot smaller than I would have thought. <laughs> I also heard it's in Kentucky. I've heard that, too. There's yeah. a museum down there. That's yeah. Kind of... Oh, no, no. Have you ever seen... That's the Ark. That's, that's the real one. No, I'm just kidding. I you ever know. seen Evan Almighty? No, you need to watch that movie. It's no, a good movie. It. Is I, it really? I, you've I, said that before, and uh, yeah, I'm saying it on the, the air thing. now. I, that's one. That's a movie that I can say go watch. Yeah, if history okay serves me correct in all the movies that Zach has told me to watch, you haven't liked any. Like one in ten. <laughs> one in ten. <laughs> this is a good one. So we were, we were watching it last night. Actually, okay, the kids wanted to watch it. They wanted to. Watch, so you guys watched it last night. The, the, for the first time they watched it? No, we've seen it many times. Okay. They like it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's great. hilariously funny. So it's either in Pittsburgh, in Kentucky, or... No, I'm just kidding. Um, so where is Noah's Ark? Uh, I don't know of any expedition that will that ever went looking for the Ark and didn't find it. All right. That's a <laughs> quote from Paul Zemanski, an archaeologist who specializes in the Middle East. That speaks of just how rapid and rash the Ark expeditions can be. Like, people are just like, they, they want to find it, so yeah. they find it. Yeah. Uh, many Christians believe the boat's final resting place is in Turkey, yeah. hidden somewhere on the treacherous Mount Ararat, as Zach already said. A quick Google search will show you a number of satellite images and 3D images that claim to show a suspicious boat-like structure somewhere on Ararat's many crevices and caverns. Feel free, it says in the article, feel free to believe any of them if you like. (laughs) However, many biblical scholars believe Noah's Ark is probably long gone, as wood would deteriorate over... I would think so. Because, I mean, you're you're talking about very early, very early history of mankind when uh, the flood took place. However, oh, wait, I just read that. In the immediate aftermath of the flood, timber would have been in short supply, and it's easy to imagine that Noah's family would have used the ark as a means to build other things. Because it would have been a lot of wood, a lot of gopher wood. It is gopher wood. Yeah. (laughs) What is gopher wood? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Chestnut? So 300 cubits by, what, 15 cubits, something like that. Yeah. Cubit being what, Stephen? Uh, isn't it three feet by three feet? It's like the, I think, isn't it like the distance from your elbow to your finger? I don't something know. like I don't that. Know. I don't know. I something don't know. like that. I said three feet by three feet. <laughs> That's, That's a, a yard. <laughs> a square yard. yard. <laughs> uh, a cubed yard. Yes. Anyway. So here, here's the thing. I've, I've watched stuff on this too. Okay. Of course you have. I, I, this stuff it's fascinates the same, it's me. It's the same thing. Yeah. I, well, it does. It fascinates me too. But go ahead. So here's the deal. Mount Ararat is a mountain. Right. Oh, yes. That's why. It's that's a what mountain. mount means. So if you think about a boat, which is enormous, yes, it's in water, and the water's going down. Mm-hmm. It's 
as the water's going down, it's not going to sit on top of this mountain. It's going to go with the water down until the water leaves in the valley. So I would think in the Mount Ararat area, it wouldn't be on top of the mountain. Why wouldn't it be? It would have... Well, what if it landed on, on land that was really high up? Like but, as the, but it's going to just keep going down with the water, you know, as the water goes no, down. No, because if it's resting settle, on land up up high, it's just going to be like it's just <laughs> on the top of the mountain. It's, it's just teetering like, right teetering. on the tip. Yeah, it's like the, it's like the Grinch. <laughs> I'm assuming. <laughs> exactly. I, I I so I don't know. It it's no, not, it says in the Bible that it that it rested on Mount Ararat. So yeah. I'm saying. Mount Ararat, that general area, yeah, in not, that area. not on the very tip, tippy top of the mountain, no. but somewhere as it's coming down, it rested yeah. somewhere in that but, area. But like the, the whole thing is, it's like once again, what God was using that for, and uh, what, like once we're looking for these things, right? You know, and it's fascinating to d- debate these things. But once again, this would have been uh, probably at this point at least four thousand years ago. I mean, so it, could it exist in perfect situation? Maybe, yeah, but. Like I like I like these biblical scholars that are saying, well, there's a high likelihood that they probably would have repurposed that wood, yeah, in, for other uses. So, and that's a very strong possibility too. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Uh, would it be it'd be cool one day to get up to heaven and ask God, like, hey, what happened to all this stuff? Yeah, that'd be that'd be cool. He's probably like, got you it. You were there. worried about that stuff? <laughs> yes, I sent my son for you. Yeah, how about the people? Like that? Yeah. that's that's what you know. Yeah, I didn't come to redeem the wood. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Hey, Paul, what's up with First Corinthians? Uh, <laughs> you're pretty harsh, man. Is that what you're gonna ask, Paul? Yeah, I mean, hey, Paul, let's talk. <laughs> Get in line, pal. No, I, I, you know, Sarah and I are reading through the Pauline epistles, yeah. and uh, like it gets into you know so much stuff. And sometimes I'm like, what, like what, what is? What? So, so that's the question you have, like, like that- so many questions, <laughs> so many questions. It's good to have questions, though. Yeah, I want God I want, wants us to wrestle with His Word to so we can grow yeah, in our no, I knowledge think it's a of good Him. Thing. And I'm not, yeah. I'm not downplaying it. It's just like you could, like you could obviously you could see people's personalities within yeah. their writings and stuff. And it's like sometimes Paul was, I don't know, I don't know how to. How to He's put very Paul. confident. He's very yeah. He ass- talks about himself a lot. Over overly assertive sometimes. To, I think would you know could be almost to uh, to a fault. Yeah. <laughs> like hey, be nicer to people, man. <laughs> I know you're trying to get a message across, but. Goodness gracious, it does come across sometimes. And it's just talking about the imperfections of man, not the imperfections of God's word, obviously, but the imperfections of man, where it's saying, like, where you look at a person and say, like, uh, he's, he's putting himself a little bit ahead, like how he lofts himself sometimes. Like, yeah. look what I do. Yeah. It's like, well, you're not Paul's perfect. thorn of the flesh. Yeah. His pride, maybe. Yeah. It might, I think it would probably have been his pride. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, I, there, it's obvious that he would have struggled with that just because of the personality that God gave him. Right. Uh, that's the double-edged sword of Paul's personality. So confident in yeah. what he believes, but confidence can easily shift into prideful for what you believe. Yeah. Luckily, that doesn't exist today. Anyway, uh, <laughs> one last thing, Zach. Oh, there's one more. Okay, one more, one more, and I think this one's this one you'll like. Oh, I've liked them all so far. I've liked them all too, but this one, this one's gonna be right up your alley because I know it's something that is near and dear to your heart. Who wrote the book of Hebrews? Hebrews. Ah. Who wrote Hebrews? I, yes, that is. That is a mystery. No one really knows. Yeah, it's known as one of the earliest recorded writings of the New Testament. So some early on, it was thought that Paul wrote it, but yes, it's pretty sure that Paul did not write it because yeah, it, it doesn't it, match his language. Doesn't match the way he wrote. No, or the like the words used in it. The style is yeah. very different than Paul. Okay, well let me read. Well, this. Read it, Stevie. Let me read this. For centuries, it was widely assumed that Paul wrote Hebrews just as he wrote most of the New Testament epistles, yeah. which is letters. However, more recent scholarship has cast severe doubt on that theory. The writing style differs from Paul at key points. The mysterious author writes that salvation had its beginning when it was spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. This would suggest a second-generation Christian. Mm-hmm. So we're saying that Paul was part of like that first yep. generation of Christians. This is a second-generation Christian. While Paul was always referred to himself as an apostle of equal standing of the original 12, even though... To Paul's credit, he said, I'm the least yeah. of the t- of those, right? 
Uh, the author also refers to Timothy as a brother, while Paul usually referred to him as a son. Yeah. Uh, this makes Paul's authorship pretty unlikely, though it seems clear that it was someone close to Paul. But who? Who could it be? Some scholars suggest maybe Luke. Who? Barnabas. Mm. Or Apollos. Yes. That's uh, That was Martin Luther's theory. Yes, Apollos. It seems to be the the top... Who is this Apollos? Who, Who is, is a, this Apollos? Who is... I've heard of... I've heard of Paul. <laughs> Who are you? Uh, all, and that was the, what, the sons of uh, Sceva. Seven sons of... What? Sh- the ones that got attacked by the demons. Remember they went after them in the name of Paul? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sheba? Sceva? Yeah. Kiba? What yeah, was it? I, I've heard of Paul, but I've not heard of you. Yeah. Yeah. I thought they said Apollos too, didn't they? Or no? I don't remember. I can't remember now off the top of my head. All early leaders among the early church. Uh, one intriguing theory proposed by German uh, biblical scholar, scholar Adolf Harnack is that Hebrews is actually co-authored by influential husband and wife duo uh, Aquila and Priscilla, oh. with the bulk of the writing done by Priscilla. It's certainly possible, but as the author declined to sign the letter, we just don't no. Don't know. It'd be it'd be interesting to know that uh, Aquila and Priscilla wrote something. Is yeah. that am I pronouncing his name right? Aquila? I, I think so. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I guess at the end of the day it doesn't. But yeah, be, I mean Paul makes reference to those two yeah. so often. Right. Uh, it'd be fascinating to have something by them. Paulos is another one that's referenced several times. Um so I think any one of these, I mean, once what, what are you smiling about? No. I, I, you love Hebrews so much. Yeah. What is I, your leading theory? My leading theory? Because, I, 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 I mean, like, we're, not, we're not scholars of, like, written word, you know, where we could be like, this matches the literary style of such right, and such. Right. No, I just, I just love Hebrews. Hebrews in and of itself is an amazing book. Yeah. It? I, I mean, almost, it's so rich in just Old Testament theology and how the New Testament through Christ fulfills that. Yeah, exactly. And when you study that, it's it just, I, to me, it's it unlocks the Old Testament for it me. It does. And, it, and that's what I was going to say. I think God almost uses Hebrews in that way, that it's like, it doesn't matter who the author is. I'm the author of this entire word, and this explains how it all comes together. Yes. So, And it's written in such a beautiful literary style. Like, we, I studied it in school, and just just how it was written when when you get like the original text in the original language yeah just you know there's you know sections of seven of these and seven of these and like beginnings and ending like very distinct literary style of yeah. writing if you for instance you know like how a haiku like in yes. school a haiku has 575 five. something like that but like in this writing it has the same not a haiku but the same type of things where you know, this this section here has this many lines, and this section over here has this many lines, and it makes like an inclusio between this section and this section. Like big stuff like that. And when yeah. you actually dig into it, you're like, wow, this isn't just a letter. This is like a work of art. Yeah. And Hebrews is like the most yeah. fascinating book of the entire yeah. New Testament. I mean, obviously, I'm not making light of any one book in the New Testament, but Hebrews does stand as something that is special yeah. and significant. Now, I almost think that's why we don't know who the author is, because it, it does so much to help us understand why, right? how it all ties together, how it all comes together, what the whole point of everything was. That's what Hebrews does. Right. It's very fascinating. Book. Yeah. It shows you faith and how faith is like the fuel that, yeah. that runs God's redemption story, right? And, yeah. and how faith in Christ and faith even back in the Old Testament was how people came to know who God was. Mm-hmm. You know, it was they became righteous through their faith in God, their trust in Him, and they give, they give you know a list of people that did that, and 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 then describe why faith is important. And then it talks about the Old Testament sacrifice and how Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Mm-hmm. We talked about this, you know, with with the you know communion, mm-hmm. the blood of Christ, and all of that. And Hebrews spells it out why the blood of Christ is a sufficient sacrifice to cover our sins. Yep. You know, it's different from the Old Testament, the Lamb of God, His blood, New Covenant, you know, redemption, eternity with God type of stuff. Yes. Love it. 
yeah. my favorite book. It is. And like it, it then I mean the whole point of the book originally was for the uh the early Jewish people. Right. For them to understand like this is what we've known and this is what we've come to understand and it ties it all together. It continues right. the story of God's people. Yes, this Messiah you've been waiting for. This is why it's him. Yes. This is why it's, it's Jesus. It's not the conquering king you think he's going to be. Yeah. He is the conquering king, but in a different way. Yep. He he conquers death. Yep. Right? Not Rome. You know? Nope. Not not this. No, that's this. too small. Exactly. Now, Rome's too small. And right. like for them is like, what? Rome is Exactly. Terrifying. Right. It's because these people have been, you know, under rule of empires since we talked about they lost yeah. their own empire, their, yes. their own nation in Judah. Yes. It fell 600 BC, and until Christ's time, they've been the, the train of conquering peoples from the Babylonians, right, to the, what was next after Babylon, the Persians, and then the Greeks, and now the Romans, right? This, yep. this train of people. And like we, we, we want our nation back. We want our people back. No, your Messiah is going to come and, and rid you of death, right? And, and allow you to go back to the garden with God, not go back to your temple, go mm-hmm. back to God's creation the way it was made and in God's presence, you know, through the Holy Spirit and then eternally with God once, once you die. Mm-hmm. And so, they're, you know, oh, that's what this is all about. Yeah. This, this is how everything fits together. Yeah. And if that's not enough passion about a book to make you go read it, <laughs> I don't know what is. Uh, you should definitely read through Hebrews. Yeah. It's confusing, though. Like, it, it, it takes studying because there's Old Testament references, sacrifices, stuff like that, that yeah. in the way it's written, you got to study it a little but bit. But that might Get be a good Bible. starting point yeah. for a lot of people that have struggled with understanding how the Bible ties all together. Yeah. Hebrews is kind of the, the, the almost the cliff notes version of how it all ties, even though it's not, it's right. not bare bones basic, right. but it helps tie everything together and help you understand why, like we say, like, oh, all those promises that God made, all those covenants that God made, this is how they really come to be, and this is what it means for us. Um, so, and I, I, and it's probably what the next uh, uh, Indiana Jones movie is going to be about. <laughs> Who's the author? <laughs> That's what they're trying to figure out. No, I'm just kidding. I have good. no idea. It's probably something real goofy. Man, we should star in that. I, that'd be amazing. We could be the new Indiana Jones. We can. We're both Indiana Jones. Well, let's see. Uh, you could be Indiana. You'll be Indiana Jones. No, oh, oh, you no, can. You no, can don't be. even. Don't even. I'll be. What's you? the guy's name? In Short the- round. No, not short round. You're short round. No. The, what's the What's the guy in the museum? What's his name? Oh, oh, oh! The one where he's like, he's like, he's hidden. He's gone. He's a uh, like ghost. a ghost in the night You'll kind never of thing. Find him. Yeah. What was his name? Oh gosh! And he's like, does anyone speak? <laughs> Whatever, because he only knew, like, he knew it's 10 like languages. Marty or something? Yeah. What's that? Marty or something? Oh, my goodness. It's going to bother me, because I... But the we, museum. We, we, I'll be the museum guy. You get, you'll you be get the, the artifacts and bring them to me. Museum curator. Well, <laughs> yeah. wasn't he the dean of students? He was both. Yeah, he was something like that. It was really, uh, just amazing. Oh, my goodness. That's going <laughs> to bother me to no end. Well, I, th- I think that's enough. Yeah, like, that's we'll, we'll pro- if we remember in the next few minutes, we'll include it on the Tuesday <laughs> podcast. But for Zach and Steve Have a Podcast, I'm Steve. I'm Zach. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.